All right, I want to start off by talking to you. And, uh, when I was in college, I took a class called uh, Statistical Analysis. And uh, it was a, really a fascinating class. had a lot of math in it, but there were some fascinating things about statistical analysis. They basically would teach you formulas that basically said if you've got a quarter in your pocket and you flip a quarter and, I, and you flip it once, you might come up heads, and you might flip it twice and come up heads. But you know, if you do that enough, do you know what your odds are that it's going to come up heads over time? They teach you about margins of errors and all that sort of stuff, but if you get a large enough sampling, like we talked about the other day, the law of large numbers, you get a large enough sampling, guess what your odds are that it's going to come up heads? 50%. 50% of the time it'll come up heads, 50% of the time it'll come up tails, and it's statistical analysis, and there's some very long formulas on various different things related to statistical analysis. So in this room today, I'm going to talk about a specific person, and I want you all to follow me with what I'm talking about. I'm, uh, by being able to eliminate, process of elimination, you're going to be able to determine who that person is, okay? I want to talk about a particular person that's in this room, and that person is a male, Okay? So uh, what did I just do? I just eliminated 50% of the crowd, right? It obviously couldn't be you ladies because you're not male. So it would have to be a male that's in the crowd. And what if I said that that male has brown hair? Well, then I've narrowed the field down a little uh, uh, narrower. That means all of the very dark, black-headed guys, it wouldn't be them. It'd have to be an individual with brown hair. Now, what if I said that individual was wearing a red shirt? Now, that narrowed the field down, didn't it? Who am I not talking about? Mark. So it's not going to be Mark because he's not in a red shirt, right? So it's a male with brown hair in a red shirt that's wearing a white T-shirt. Who could that be? Anybody have a white T-shirt on? Under the red shirt. You have a white t-shirt on? Oh, you know who it is. Do we only have one white t-shirt on under a red shirt? So who, with brown hair. (laughs) Kind of narrowed the field, didn't we? Okay, who am I talking about? Mike McCorker. I gave you four clues, three or four clues. And we narrowed down from a group of 40 people down to one person. I'm talking about Mike McCorkle. And we can do that in it and, and very easily be able to understand what, who it is that I'm talking about. Now, I've just made up that particular story. I don't really have anything specifically to talk about, Michael, but I do want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. And do you know in the Old Testament there are prophecies that are hundreds of years old that prophesied a becoming Messiah? And those prophecies, in fact, there were over 60 major prophecies. There were hundreds of prophecies And I'm going to bring you 20 or so of those prophecies, 21 of those prophecies this morning. We're going to run through them very quickly. But do you know those old prophecies narrow down the field of who it could be that was the Messiah? And they were written hundreds of years before Jesus came onto the scene. Now, very quickly, I want to show you this. John chapter 20, verse number 31, uh, Jesus said, or I guess John said, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. You get to the end of the book of John, which is the Gospel of John, 
And they're looking back over the life of Christ. And he said, these things are written so that you can believe Jesus is the Christ. So you can believe Jesus is the Messiah. He said, there were a lot of other things that were done. But these were written that you might believe. And that believing you might have life through his name. John chapter 14 and verse number 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That is a very bold proclamation. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. And I'm the one you have life in. And what that means is that you either believe he really is the Messiah. Or you believe he was a liar. Or you believe he was a crazy man. But he proclaimed he was the Messiah. So was he the Messiah? Now we could talk about a lot of things. You say, well, I believe he's a Messiah. Why do you believe he's a Messiah? Well, my mom and dad believe he's a Messiah. Well, that's not exactly a very good reason. I'm not knocking mom and dad. I'm just saying that. That just because somebody else believes something doesn't make something true. Do you know the reason I believe Jesus is the Messiah is because I believe it built upon faith that's built upon evidence. I have faith he's the Messiah. I believe it because of faith that's built on evidence that he's the Messiah. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If I just tell you that I have a quarter in my pocket, do you believe I have a quarter in my pocket? Raise your hand if you believe I have a quarter in my pocket. Raise your hand if you do not believe that I have a quarter in my pocket. We're going to have to watch you all a little closer. Okay? Why would I lie to you? Right? But see, if you believe it just on the fact that I tell you that, you're just trusting me because I've told you something. But what if some of you earlier in my speech saw me pull out a quarter and I flipped it? Right? And 50% of the time it came up heads and the other 50% of the time... It would come up tails, and you remembered that, and then you go, he does have a quarter. I've seen a quarter. That's eyesight knowledge. Okay? That's not faith any longer. Some of you remembered that and go, I saw a quarter. But what if these guys didn't see it, but they did see evidence of such? For instance, they saw a bulge in my pants. They, they could hear me rattle, and they go, he's got change in his pocket. I've got faith that he's got a quarter, but it's built on evidence that I have seen, okay? And that is really the reason I believe Jesus is Messiah. I was not there, but I believe it because of faith that's built upon evidence. And I want to show you a couple of verses. Hebrews 11, verse number 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I want to tell you, a lot of preachers will preach this verse, and they, they'll talk about Faith is hoped for and faith is not seen. And that's not what that verse says. That verse says faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is evidence. And there's evidence that leads us to the fact that it's got to be Jesus that's the Messiah. John chapter 5 verse number 39. These are the words of Christ. He said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. You know what Jesus is saying in the Old Testament there are scriptures that testify or prove that I am the Messiah. And he is talking about a lot of those old prophecies that were given. So I want to walk through some of those prophecies very quickly. Of all the people in the world, there was a prophecy that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Matthew 1, 18, Jesus was born of a virgin. Her name was Mary. She was a spouse to Joseph. She had never known man. Okay? Now, you say, yeah, but I'd have to buy that on faith. I'd have to just believe that. And you're exactly right. But we believe it based upon evidence. And let me show you. How many young men were born 
over in that particular land over there, in the land of Israel, that were born of a virgin. And go, well, that would kind of narrow it down as to who it is, but still, I'd have to believe that on faith. But let's look at some other prophecies related to Christ. He was going to be born of David's seed, meaning David, son of Jesse, King David in the Old Testament, who was of the tribe of Judah. And it was prophesied the Messiah is going to come out of that lineage. Well, guess who that eliminates? That eliminates all the children that, that uh, came out of the lineage of Levi. It, it eliminated all the children that came out of the lineage of Zebulun. And it eliminated all the children that came out of the lineage of Reuben. All the other children. But out of the lineage of Judah, through the seed of David, was the Messiah was going to come. So we start to narrow the scope down as to who that could possibly be. Okay? Micah 5 and verse number 2, this child was going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, there were a lot of children born in Bethlehem. Jesus wasn't the only child born in Bethlehem. And you may look at that prophecy in and of itself and say, well, that's not a very strong evidence because there were a lot of children born in Bethlehem. Yeah, but there was one born of Bethlehem of David's royal seed who was born of a virgin. Okay? So we're starting to narrow the field down. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And he was also of David's royal seed. You look at Matthew chapter 1 and see the lineage of Jesus as well. He was supposed to do miracles. This is another one of those that comes with a little bit of faith. But there's enough evidences that the faith becomes easy because it's faith built on evidence. Isaiah 35, it was prophesied this Messiah was going to perform miracles. And we have eyewitness accounts in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus did that. Psalm 41 and verse number 9, he's going to be betrayed by a friend. John 13 Verse number 18, Judas Iscariot betrayed him. Okay? Now, how many people that were born of David's seed in the city of Bethlehem that had eyewitnesses that he did miracles was betrayed by a friend? We start to narrow the scope. Who could that be? You know, we're saying, uh, well, could it be Ty? No, I was born in Pasadena, Texas. I was of David's seed, but a different David. Okay? David Fleming, my father. Um, but I wasn't betrayed by a friend in the sense that certainly wasn't betrayed by a friend for, for 30 pieces of silver. And one thing I want you to notice about these Old Testament prophecies is the specificity of these Old Testament prophecies. It wasn't that he's just betrayed by a friend. He was betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. You ever been betrayed by a friend? You go, yeah, I've been, you know, maybe somebody could interpret that as betrayed. But for 30 pieces of silver, exactly 30 pieces of silver, who could that be? And you start to narrow the scope down as to who that was. That same 30 pieces of silver was going to buy the field of a potter. And that's what took place in Matthew chapter 27. Okay, They took the 30 pieces of silver. Judas tried to return it. They went and bought a, a potter's field with that money because they couldn't return it to the treasury. Now, if you believe Jesus was a fraud and he got all of his disciples together and they created this big scheme to try to just prove that he was the Messiah that had come, then you've got Jesus getting his disciples to get Judas to betray him, to get his enemies to then fulfill prophecies for him. That'd be impossible to believe. But we narrow the field down. He was going to be silent in his persecutions, Isaiah 53 Verse number 7. He was going to be mistreated, Isaiah 53 and 3. He was going to be spit on, Isaiah 50 and 6. He was going to be mocked, Psalm 22. Isaiah 53, he was going to pray for his persecutors. While he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for 
for they know not what they do. Psalm 22 and 18, the same individual that fulfilled all of the others also was going to have his clothes gambled for. If you believe that was a fraud, that Jesus was a fraud and this whole thing was made up by his disciples all that, then you've got Jesus hanging on a cross while telling people down there, y'all make sure you gamble for my clothes because we've got to fulfill a prophecy in the Old Testament and I've got to make sure all those things are fulfilled. It would be impossible to believe that such a scheme could ever be developed. And we start to narrow the field down. Who is it? Who is it that could be the, the, the Messiah? Would that fit for Yancey? I mean, could Yancey be the Messiah? Was he born in Bethlehem of the, of the royal seed of David? Was he uh, persecuted? Was he sold for 30 pieces of silver? Did the 30 pieces of silver buy a potter's field? We start to narrow the field down. It couldn't be Yancey. So who could it be? It would have to be Jesus. This same prophet, sorry, this this same prophecy, well, not same prophecy, one of the prophecies of the Old Testament also said that this same Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Well, there may be a lot of people that could ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. That didn't make them the Son of God. But how many rode into Jerusalem on a donkey that were persecuted, mocked, spit upon, that were sold for 30 pieces of silver, the same 30 pieces of silver, bought a field, a potter's field, that were born in the city of Bethlehem, of the royal seat of David, etc. We start to narrow the field down. Yeah, there's other people that wrote in the Jerusalem. You can't just take one of the prophecies and say, well, it could be anybody. But when you put all of those prophecies together, it narrows the field down to one individual. It was prophesied he would thirst. John 19 fulfilled it. Isaiah 53 and 12, he'd be crucified with the transgressors. Uh, Matthew 27 says there was male factors, one on the one, one hand and the other on the other hand. Who was that? Who could it be? Uh, Psalm 34, there was going to be no bones broken. Again, if you believe this was a fraud, uh, Jesus was on the cross. The soldiers came to break their bones and saw that he was dead already, pierced his side. Forthwith came blood and water. Then you've got Jesus after he was dead controlling the soldiers and what they were doing so that they wouldn't break his bones so he could fulfill a prophecy. It would be impossible to believe. But that's what I mean by this is faith built upon evidence. There are so many evidences that lead us to one individual that would have to be Jesus the Messiah. His side was going to be pierced and that was fulfilled. They would look on him of whom they had pierced was one of the prophecies there in Zechariah chapter 12. He's going to be buried in a rich man's tomb. And he was also going to rise from the grave. And I recognize that the resurrection also is something that's faith built upon evidence. But if you put all of that together, it comes down to one individual in history. And that individual is Jesus Christ the Messiah. And there is evidence. Now I grant you it's faith. We're, we believe something. But we believe it based upon evidences that lead us to one individual. And there are eyewitnesses accounts. Jesus walked with his disciples for over a month after he was resurrected. There's eyewitnesses account of, of individuals that were with him. Uh, the, he met with his disciples without Thomas, with Thomas. He showed himself to over 500 in another instance in scripture, etc. There are eyewitnesses accounts of this resurrected Christ. Faith that's built upon evidence. Now, if you took all of the prophecies, and we're not going to go through all the 60-some-odd major prophecies, nor the hundreds of other prophecies that are in Scripture, but if you did all of those prophecies, they would just narrow it down that much more to definitively come to one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus really is the Messiah. There was a guy who did a study. 
His name was Dr. Stoner. And Dr. Stoner did a study that talked about what are the odds that somebody else could have fulfilled eight of those significant prophecies of the Messiah and they not be the Son of God. That, that somebody could have fulfilled eight of them, like they were persecuted and sold for 30 pieces of silver, whatever. If they could just fulfill eight of those and they not be the Son of God, what's the odds that that could take place? And here's the answer Dr. Stoner came up with in his study. I think, if I've been told correctly, because this is higher math, that that's one in 100 quadrillion. That's one in 10 to the 17th power. That's the odds of somebody fulfilling just eight of those prophecies and they not be the son of, not be the son of God. What do you think the odds are that somebody fulfilled 21 prophecies? What do you think the odds would be if they fulfilled all 60 of those prophecies? The odds would be astronomical. It's got to be one individual. That individual is Jesus Christ. Dr. Stoner said that's the equivalent of taking a silver dollar. How many of y'all believe I have a silver dollar in my pocket? Raise your hand if you believe I have a silver dollar in my pocket. Any of you seen that I had a silver dollar? No. And in this case, I do not have a silver dollar in my pocket, but I'm going to use a quarter. But y'all know what a silver dollar is? Silver dollar. They said, Dr. Stoner said that one in 100 quadrillion is the equivalent to marking an X on one silver dollar, throwing it anywhere in the state of Texas, and the state of Texas be two foot deep all over the entire state in silver dollars. So imagine the entire state of Texas, everywhere you went, you were two foot deep in silver dollars. You mark one silver dollar, throw it anywhere in the state, and you can walk up to it and reach down and pick up the one with the X on it. That's one in 100 quadrillion. So what do you think the odds are of somebody fulfilling all 21 of those prophecies? Or all 60 some odd of those prophecies? Or hundreds of those prophecies. The, the odds would be astronomical. The, the silver dollars would be feet, 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 feet thick of silver dollars. You see what I'm saying? Who could it be? You know Buddha's bones are in the grave. Muhammad's bones are in the grave. You know Jesus resurrected from the grave. And he lives today. Jesus really was the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And he truly is our Savior today. God bless you as you serve him. And I pray that you'll have that kind of faith that's built upon evidence. It's not just blind faith, but faith that's built upon evidence. God bless you in that.